0: Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Le Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Back on another College Football Survivor Show, Doug and Shahan. This time we are taking the 12-team playoff idea into context again. Certainly not the first time people have had this discussion, Shahan, but I think we can frame it and shape it in an interesting, different way. We are looking for now, and I think we'll do more. Going back into the past. But for now, we are looking at the playoff era, 2014 through last season, the teams that would have been helped the most by a 12 team playoff. And this is more complicated than well, who finished fifth. Because I think there are things, could you have affected the career paths of coaches, the status of programs, perhaps the future of conferences? So you and I both came up with big lists. I have 17 teams. You have 15. I put my 17 teams into 10, into a one through 10 list. I lump some of them together. So we'll use that as a baseline. And I think we're going to agree on a lot of stuff. And we'll start at number one. The team or teams that would have been helped the most by a 12-team playoff existing starting in 2014, does it have to be TCU and Baylor at number one from 2014? Like, is that where we have to start? Because it's where I started.
2: Yeah, I mean, you talk about teams that obviously individually were great. We we got a chance to see, especially that 2014 TCU team, just completely obliterate Ole Miss in that bowl game. Uh, you know, Baylor didn't keep up their end of the bargain, as, as I can tell you from being there for that entire fourth quarter. But still, you know, an, an outstanding team. Clearly the best chance that Baylor's had to be on that national stage, I think, in the last little while. Uh, you talk about it from the context of conference affiliation, right? You're talking about two big 12 teams being stone cold locks to make a 12 team playoff. Uh One of them would have, I, I'm trying to think, so the, the top four that we got in that first year were all conference champions, I believe, right? So they would yes. have been five and six, which still would have been a huge opportunity for them. We would have probably gotten Baylor versus Ohio state. TCU probably would have been the sixth seed. You know, you get them against Florida state, who's a Florida team.
0: state. Yeah. Winnable,
2: very winnable. And, you know, not only does that change everything from the perspective of these two teams have an opportunity to do something special, Uh, It changed everything from the way that people are viewing the Big 12 because these two teams would have been in the first playoff. The Big 12 would have been the first conference to have, you know, obviously would have been different in a 12 team world. But, you know, the two highest ranked teams to make the first uh, college football playoff with having the number five and number six team. I think that both teams would have won multiple games against name brand programs. And if that's the case. Maybe people are looking at Texas and Oklahoma a little bit differently. Maybe they're looking at the Big 12 a little bit. Draw that line. Draw that (laughs)
0: line. Draw it straight from if we have a 12-team playoff in 2014, Texas and Oklahoma are staying in the Big 12 right now. You want to
2: draw that? Can we walk that line? I mean, I I think it's definitely a strong conversation because ultimately, look, I, I don't know, right? What ended up happening in the actual playoff, was Ohio State went out and beat Alabama I don't think that Alabama was certainly unbeatable that year with kind of their transition to the the sort of I guess like a high-flying offense that they ran at that time and they maybe didn't have the personnel to be elite at it yet I think Ohio State was very very good there's a good chance that Ohio State still would have won the championship but I would have loved to see TCU have a chance to do that. I think that anybody who watched the TCU team, you know, and and obviously I'm mentioning TCU, I think TCU probably by the end of the year was just a better team than that Baylor team. Baylor had some offensive line injuries that I think kind of hurt them down the stretch. But it changes everything, I think, in terms of the way that this stuff is viewed. And now instead of being, oh, these are two programs that are just good enough to get left out, these are two programs that get in. And by the way, obviously TCU managed to build their way in in 2022 uh and get into the college football playoff as the number three seed but baylor would have been in the playoff in 2019 would have been in the playoff in 2021 so not only do i think that these two programs in 2014 are probably 1a and 1b of the teams most screwed by not having the 12 team playoff i think that you can argue that these two programs are as you know, have been as screwed as anybody by being in a four-team playoff instead of a twelve team playoff world. there's one other team that that maybe we'll get to that that I think would have really benefited from it, but they are up there with anybody else that there is in the country right now.
0: So Ohio State in that Alabama game. So if Ohio State is the four they would have played Baylor the 5, assuming Baylor as the 5 yep. would have beaten the 12. You're talking about a Baylor team with with Bryce Petty at the controls, with 2,000-yard receivers led by Corey Coleman, with like a high-flying offense that, you know, Ohio State did a good job with Amari Cooper in that game, but the whole thing with that game is Bama was a running team. They did have Amari Cooper, who was a Heisman finalist, but they didn't have the level of quarterback play that you were accustomed to. And Ezekiel Elliott and Cardale Jones, it's enough for, like, I don't know. I don't know what Ohio State, yeah, I mean, Joey Bosa and Von Bell and all that defense would have had something to say about that, but I don't know if Ohio State's stopping Baylor right there. And again, Florida State limps in undefeated. I think TCU beats Florida State. Like, Florida State had to make it undefeated as a defending national champ, but I think TCU beats them. But, like, that idea, what happened, Shahan, was over the course of this playoff era, it had the Big 12 has felt top-heavy. It's performance by Oklahoma and perception by Texas. Oklahoma has playoff appearances. Texas had its own network. And at some point, Texas and Oklahoma were like, why are we carrying this conference, right? But if you had been able to show early in this new era, you're not. We're good. Let's do this. I think it affects the way people view it inside and outside, the way the conference talks to each other, the way TV networks view things. We might have seen an explosion. It's funny now, again, it's like everything's flipped. The Big 12 was an offense first conference. They didn't play any defense. Now it's a place where they play great defense and they don't have that kind of offenses anymore. I don't know. Maybe that kind of – that brand would have spread earlier. Ryan Day, like, is trying – Ryan Day is throwing the ball around like the Big 12 was doing 10 years ago. Like, I just – I do think it's not too much. To think we change, and this is what context, this show is about context. Yes. We're not saying that Baylor and TCU had to be better. We're not saying anybody else had to be worse. We're just saying you had to have a playoff where 12 teams had a chance instead of just four. And maybe you change the future of a conference. And when you do it, that's why it's number one to me. It's beyond, got you know. They got stuck at the TCU and Baylor. And we did see things change. The Big 12 went to a conference championship game because not having one that year screwed them. So they fixed it. But Shahan, I don't. It might not be a straight line. It might be a little bit of a dotted line, and maybe it wiggles a little bit, but I think it's a line. And I think there's an alternate version of the Big 12 that might exist. If the context of the the structure of the sport had just given Baylor and TCU a chance. Now, if they get in as the five and six and they lose their first round games to the 11 and the 12, okay, then probably not. Or if they win those games and they get their doors blown off by Florida State and Ohio State and all it proves is, oh, they're not good enough. What are we doing here? This is a joke. Then maybe not. But, man, you I mean, you know those two teams better than anybody. You would have taken your shot with those two teams would you have not and at least they'd rather have the shot than be like oh well ohio state got in ahead of you good luck in your ball games that don't matter
2: right and you know it's funny actually the the one probably good thing about uh, about the way that the 12 team playoff would have been set up is that tc would have played kansas state from their own conference in the first round if it was set up as a 12 team but you know they would have won that game i think pretty easily baylor would have had boise state i don't anticipate that either of those would have been games that they would have had a chance to lose and then you get these round two matchups and you have a chance to win and we're we're sitting here now and we can think about what Ohio State is now and what Alabama is now and what Georgia is now it wasn't like that back then like it doesn't feel that long ago but it wasn't like that there wasn't this kind of consolidation so um you you know I've obviously railed a lot about how I think that Whenever we do move to a 12-team playoff, it changes maybe some of the dynamics underlying the entire sport of you can only do things that matter at five programs or something like that in college football. I think that this sets it up from the beginning, the idea that you can compete for a title at all of these different places. You, You know, Arizona would have made the first college football playoff, for example. I don't know. It just changes everything from a dynamics perspective. It changes everything from a perception perspective. I think it changes the way that we talk about a lot of these programs. And I think it changes uh, the way that we talk about a lot of these tier, maybe, you know, I somewhere in between two and three. Right. I don't know exactly where you slot Baylor and TCU, probably tier 2.5 or something like that. I think it changes the way that we think about all of these programs. So it's a big one uh obviously again the 12 team playoff has come it's it's probably come too late for the big 12 to be what it was but you know i'm I'm also kind of curious for that reason whenever we do move to it is it kind of a second life for programs like baylor and tcu all
0: right i i think that would be everybody's number one on this list but again it's it's beyond that it was sort of the closest vote or the most difficult decision. And then putting Ohio state in changes the course of the playoff because the four seed wins it all. It's beyond that. It's, It's all these other things we talked about. So what's number two on my list. It's Ohio state related. Next on the college football survivor show. The college football survivor show where playoff survival is always on the line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. Number one for me, 2014, Baylor and TCU as a tandem. Number two for me, 2015, Ohio State. A chance to repeat as national champions, a chance to establish a mini dynasty in the midst of the Saban era. You know, Clemson and Alabama played a humdinger of national title game that year. I certainly think you could argue That Ohio State is as good as them. They lose in the second last week of the regular season to Michigan State. They finally get it together. They get mad. They then beat Michigan 42-13, and they beat Notre Dame 44-28 in their bowl game. It is this collection of talent. It's all the guys from the 14 title team are still around. They go into the 16 NFL draft after this season. They have 10 guys taken in the first three rounds. It is a talent onslaught, and instead, the reality is Urban Meyer – won a national title in his third year at Ohio State and never won another playoff game because they didn't make it in 15. They lost. They, got, they didn't score another point. Urban Meyer won a national title in 2014 and did not score a point in the college football playoff from there on. Doesn't make it 15. 16, they're shut up by Clemson. Doesn't make it 17. Doesn't make it 18. And he's out. I think there's a little something to this that is beyond, boy, that Ohio State team was good. Because I wonder what it does. We saw Clemson do it. Clemson in 15 plays, bam, in the title game loses, then wins. But it does, I mean, it really lays a foundation about what comes next for Trevor Lawrence and that kind of stuff. Ohio State, I think from a lot of perceptions, and I don't want to have a gigantic semantic argument about this, has been, quote, underachieving in some way because they are talented, they have been close, they're right there, but they haven't won a national title since 14, they lost in the title game in 20. I think you have a chance for Ohio state to rise up in even a greater way than it has. And I think in 15, they could have competed with anybody, but they blew it and they lost their opportunity. They finished seven in the final ranking because of that one loss to Michigan state. Did you have them in your mix?
2: No, I I definitely did. I think that uh, I similarly had, I believe it's 2017 Ohio state in that mix. I mean, they were, they were really close a couple of times. Um, I think that, yeah, you look at, you look at the way that things kind of worked out. If they had made that playoff in 2015 as the seven seed where they were slotted, would have had North Carolina in the first round. I think that they beat that. uh, I, I got to see that team. That was the team that Baylor ran over for 500 yards in a bowl game. That was really something. Uh, next round, you get Alabama. That's the team that eventually goes on to win the title. And then maybe after that, you get Clemson. So it would have been a tough road. But I think that, like you said, there's a pretty good argument that 2015 is maybe, you know, arguably one of the best teams that Ohio State has had, right? Like, it is a really, really good team with a bunch of upperclassmen, with a bunch of guys who won a national title the year before, and they just let everybody down, frankly, right? They, they just kind of let themselves down. And so I do think, again, if if they win the first two, oh boy, that is that is something if Ohio state is able to win the first two after only winning one title in like the unified era before that. So it's a big one for sure. I, I think that that is probably a season that, you know, people will look back on and and kick themselves for a long time. So I do think that they are a team that could have gone all the way if they had made it. And I'll just jump ahead here. I
0: will say I have 17 and 18 Ohio state lumped together as number eight on my list. Cause I think sure. the 15 team, was just so talented for Ohio State. Yeah, they were better. They were better. 17 and 18 Ohio State. They they get to Selection Sunday in in 17 – what was one? In one of the year – 17, they thought they had a chance, and then they, they kind of didn't actually think they were going to make it. They finished fifth. 18, they thought they were going to make it. They finished sixth. They were mad they finished, but they thought they were in. So they got there on two straight Sundays, selection Sundays, and didn't get there both times. But 15 even goes beyond that. Okay. So that's the Ohio State part. Number three, I have lumped together around a coach who got fired. And I think if there's a 12 team playoff, he has multiple teams in. I think he builds capital that probably keeps him from getting fired. And I don't know. Maybe. He really gets something going. Do you want to guess? And it's the same coach at two different schools in two different years had playoff. I think quality teams certainly would have made the twelve team field. And he's currently not coaching.
2: Hmm. Playoff caliber teams at two different schools didn't make it. Um. I don't. Uh, oh, is it? Is it Jimbo Fisher? that's a good one that's a good guess that might apply
0: here too he might fit all the categories it's not who i'm thinking of right here okay because i'm thinking of dan mullen Uh, and it is dan mullen at mississippi state in 2014 which as everybody knows was the first team ranked number one in the inaugural college football just a wild fun fact just a
2: wild fact
0: and then it's 2019 Florida. That is a pretty darn good team. And I think maybe is ninth in there. I got to double check that. But here's they the They are thing. ninth. In 2014, he has Dak Prescott. In 2019, he has Kyle Trask at quarterback and Kyle Pitts at tight end. And it's one of those things. Get in and take a shot and how would people think of Dan Mullen? Instead, he was like, "Ah, it was good. He never got over the top and then he said the goofy thing about recruiting and he got fired." But if he has multiple playoff appearances and this is what he was up against, Mississippi State in 2014 loses at Alabama in a game where Alabama puts together No, this is a different game. I'm 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 confusing perhaps all the different things that they had to do, but he loses at Alabama in a close game. Right. And it's like, okay, they're, they're pretty darn good, but they don't quite get over the top. And then they lose their rivalry game against Old Miss. And those are their two losses in the 2014 season. But that's a good football team. Right. Like that's, that, that's not, it's, it's not like you say, ah, oh, that, that team doesn't deserve. No, a playoff no. shot. They lose twenty-five twenty at Alabama, yeah. and they lose thirty-one seventeen at Ole
2: Miss. And now, okay, like you're not top five, but you're top ten. Get in the playoffs and take a shot. That's not unreasonable. No, no, no. And and to to refer to that Alabama game, they outgained them by essentially hundred yards. They had ten more first downs than Alabama did. Uh, they, they really did an incredible job. Uh, held held uh, T.J. Yeldon and Derrick Henry to to barely a hundred yards combined, and. Dak Prescott, one of the best quarterbacks in the country and the best Mississippi State player of all time through three interceptions, and that was kind of it. So, like, they absolutely had a chance to win that game. Egg Bowl is just one of those, like, things happen kind of games. And, yeah, I think that people think a whole lot differently. And actually, you know, the funny thing about it, too, is I always felt like, and by the way, we do have to mention that they did, like, get run over by Georgia Tech in their bowl game. But, you know, again, like, Things happen, right? And and it's a bowl game. You don't you don't necessarily know what to what to expect. I'll tell you what. If I was a Mississippi State three hundred pound defensive lineman, I also would not have wanted to to cover a Paul Johnson team (laughs) on New Year's Eve. But I think that you know the funny thing about it because I remember back during that time, and and even now in some ways, I, I feel like Mullen is like kind of undervalued at both places yeah. really it feels like it should not have taken him anywhere near this long to get a top-end job and Florida probably wasn't that right top-end job but what he was doing at Mississippi State was certifiably insane like was ridiculous any I mean I'm not I'm not saying obviously that you know that Mississippi, should, Mississippi State should have done anything or whatever but like you know, after, after what happened, you know, with, with the tragedy with Mike Leach this past year, like <laughs> if they had rehired Dan Mullen, it would have been a pretty dang good idea. He did an incredible job there. And actually, you know, the funny thing was, uh, you were talking about 2019 Florida. I actually thought that you were talking about 2020 Florida because they brought back Trask and they brought back Pitts and they finished number seven that next year as well. So, I mean, finished nine in 2019, finished seven in 2020. Like you said, the recruiting was never there. Some of the program infrastructure stuff kind of fell apart. But like, I remember people were making a huge deal because they're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, Florida only went eight and four in 2020, by the way, with the full SEC schedule. And by the way, the only reason that they lost four games was because they lost by six to maybe the greatest Alabama team ever in the SEC title game and then just like didn't have a ton of players in the Cotton Bowl. So like it was insane to me. And again, things fell apart in 2021. I understand why he was fired. But man, do I feel like you're right if this guy had just been able to say that I have three playoff appearances, we talk about that guy a lot differently than we do now.
0: The quote I was looking for, when they lost 25-20 at Alabama in 2014, Alabama put together like a six minute 75 play drive in the fourth quarter to score a touchdown and ice the game. Nick Saban called it one of the greatest drives in Alabama history. That's Mm. what it took to beat Dan Mullen. Mm. One of the greatest drives in Alabama history. And then they lose at their rival. And then in 2019, which is why I use this, they lose at LSU when LSU is number five. And then they lose uh, to Georgia in in Jacksonville in the rivalry game by seven when Georgia's number eight. So they lose two top 10 SEC games, neither at home. And that's their two losses and they're out. And it's like, okay, see you later. And Dan Mullins is like, can I just give me a shot? If I had been... Right. That's one of those things. Sometimes when the SEC is like, oh, man, the SEC and it's like, whatever, it's Bama on Georgia and nobody else. This was there was a time where it's like, man, being the third or fourth best team in the SEC really means something, because how is Dan Mullen in those seasons? You mentioned that, like 20, right? 19 and 20. How are you supposed to get through in a way that gives you a chance in the playoff? Like you you're not going to get there. It would be like a miracle season. It takes a 2019 LSU Joe Burrow Jamar Chase kind of season to do it, and they weren't quite that, but they were playoff caliber. So Dan Mullen, those two years, I lumped them together. Sorry, Dan, but it changes the perception. It's not like it's not the same as changing a conference, but it changes a life. It changes a life, which is what we're here to do on the College Football Survivor Show. My number four lumped again. It's 18 and 19 Georgia. And maybe we just start this earlier, Shahan, because it's like, oh, man, Kirby Smart finally figured it out. It's like, well, he maybe did have it figured out the whole time. He just kind of lost a couple of close games and didn't get in the playoff because he was losing SEC title games. And I, I don't think that's impossible to think that way.
2: No, I mean, they were ultimately the team that was most screwed by the 14 playoff during that early period because they just weren't going to beat alabama and guess who else doesn't beat alabama a lot of teams like a lot of teams just don't beat alabama it's not that big a deal and obviously now they've gotten over the hump and it's meant that they're the best team in college football but yeah i mean they they really i think were in a really tough position and that was something i was even talking about back in 2018 2019 2020 was what's going to change? Like, like, are they just stuck? This was something that happened in some ways to Mark Richt, right? He got stuck behind Urban Meyer at Florida. Then he got stuck behind Nick Saban at Alabama. And it just never happened. And he never won a title. And And Kirby Smart obviously was able to get over the hump. But, I mean, I think that you can make a very good case that between... 2019 2020 that whole run that uh that georgia was the consensus number two program in the country over that run i think that you can make that case and it didn't pay off with making a playoff so now obviously they're over it now it's alabama looking up at georgia which is a pretty crazy thing to say but uh but yeah i mean they would be a team that from 2017 to you know, the end of time essentially would be in the college football playoff if they were in a 12-team world. And, you know, we talk about this a lot of the time with uh, with these top-end programs, like, oh, well, when is the 12-team playoff? They're just going to make it every year. Well, most of them won't, right? Like there's, there's really, like Alabama would make it essentially every year, you know, until it, we'll see what happens now. Ohio State will probably make it relatively every year. We'll see what happens now. And then, like, Georgia has become that team that will make it every single year. And that's not most teams, but those three teams, especially, uh, you know, obviously we can throw a Michigan into there right now. We can see what happens at USC. But I mean, that is, those are the teams that you can actually say, oh, they're maybe going to make it every year. Because uh, when we head to a 12 team world, Georgia's going to be there every year.
0: So we are going to get a little bit weirder. I have a Rose Bowl grouping, I have a Pac 12 superstar grouping, I have another Big 12 grouping, but we're still on Georgia here. Just again to double check on Georgia in 18. The only regular season loss for Georgia is at LSU. When LSU is number 13, they lose 36-16. That's kind of a big loss, but I don't know if you guys have heard. It's hard to win at LSU. And in 19, the only regular season loss is a double overtime loss to South Carolina. So in both those seasons, they then get to the SEC title game. In 2018, they beat up Tuatonga-Vailoa, to basically you deny him the Heisman because Kyler Murray has a great Big 12 title game and zooms past Tua. They knock Tua out of the game, and their reward is, Jalen Hurts is like, I've been waiting for a year for this. Comes back in the game in the fourth quarter and leads Alabama to a comeback victory. So in 27 national title game, Hurts out, Tua in, Georgia loses. 2018 SEC title game, Tua out, Hurts in, Georgia loses. And then 2019, it's like, oh, thank God, Bama's not as good this year. And they get Joe Burrow and LSU in the SEC title game. So in each of those years, they lose one regular season game, and then they get that in the SEC title game, and it's like, sorry, no playoff for you. They finish <laughs> fifth both years, and and then guys come on podcasts and say, I don't think Kirby Smart can win the big game, right? Which yeah. is where we were, like the first podcast we ever did here.
2: <laughs> That's <was> probably wrong. <laughs> Would what, what, you have him ranked again? Uh, you'll have to, you know, when uh, in that first game, I, you know, maybe like number eight out of eight. I think it was. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know.
0: I think I, I, I yeah. Well, I don't regret. My current Kirby Smart ranking, I do regret my then Kirby Smart ranking. So Georgia Georgia getting here sooner. Because I think they even could have won a national title in there. right? I mean, it's like, I don't know. Put that defense together. Those running backs, right? I mean, it's – so that's my fourth category is Georgia getting there sooner. My fifth category, two teams again, it's the 2016 Rose Bowl. And it's a Penn State team that I thought should have made the playoff instead of Ohio State. I thought that was wrong the whole time. Yes, they had a non-conference loss to Pitt, but they beat Ohio State head-to-head. Yes, they had a loss to Michigan. They're two losses. Ohio State's one loss, but they won the head-to-head matchup. They go win the Big Ten title game against Wisconsin. I thought Penn State should have been in the playoff, and then Ohio State got to the playoff and got smoked. It was like, yep, Ohio State was not good enough to be here. Penn State was. And they go play Sam Darnold and USC in the Rose Bowl, and it's a humdinger of a Rose Bowl. And at the time, I can remember, so I'm lumping these, but I have two different thoughts on these two teams, Shahan. One is Penn State should have been in. Yeah, In the four team. So the 12 team would help them. I also remember thinking this at the time. I'm glad the playoff isn't bigger because that USC team in 2016, at that time in my head, was exactly the kind of team that I did not want to see in the playoff. Because that USC team started one and three, won its final nine games, including over Penn State in the Rose Bowl, After they start one and two, including an opening game loss to Alabama where they get absolutely destroyed, they go from Max Brown to Sam Darnold as the starting quarterback. Darnold in his first start loses a high-scoring game to Utah, then wins all the rest. But they go from one and three to a team that by the time you got to the Rose Bowl, Shahan, people are saying, like, I wouldn't want to play USC. And I'm thinking that's not what this playoff should be. It should not be that, like, oh, you lost three or first four, you're good. Just get hot at the end, you can still win a national title. But that's the world we're getting to. So, would help them both. I'm very excited about the next Penn State getting a chance in the playoff. I remain apprehensive about the next USC getting in the playoff. Are you all in on congrats to the national champ who started the season one and three, which the 12-team playoff may open up?
2: well okay uh first of all shout out to you to to ohio state for also standing in solidarity and not showing up to the college football playoff in support of penn state as well in 2016 yeah. uh, but i think that um you know look there's not another sport that we sit and kind of say well i don't know you know yeah you might be the best team in the country and like you might be the best team in the country right now but like are, are we sure that like, I don't know. It, it's a weird situation for me to kind of say, well, we need to punish this team because they made a bad quarterback choice or maybe they had an injury at some point. Like, you know, it's just, I don't think that we need to, if you've got a team that's, that's nine and three, potentially, you know, that's, that's winning your conference or something like that. I don't think that we need to punish them if they have still a competitive resume. Now, USC would have entered the playoff probably as a lower seed because they were a three-loss team. They wouldn't have just been able to jump up uh, potentially and, and just ignore that, right? Like USC would have been, I guess it would have been number nine, you know, because there weren't that many sort of high-end, high-end teams that year. But like they would have had to beat Wisconsin in the first round. That would have been a really tough ass. They would have played Alabama in the second round it's not like they would have gotten a cakewalk by any means. Like I, I think seating matters. I, I think seating is a legitimate punishment for not being good all year long, but I, I don't think that means that they don't deserve to have a, a chance. I mean, let's think back to to 2021, right? Utah starts, what is it? One and two. And then eventually yeah. wins it, you know, wins a big, uh not the big 10, the, the pack 12 and has an awesome Rose bowl. Like, and they do that. They do that by switching quarterbacks,
0: by getting to Cam Rising.
2: Yeah, right. Oh, what a career Charlie Brewer had, Jesus. But uh, but I think that you know ultimately, like, isn't that good? Isn't it a good thing that that Utah was able to make the right choice and go on this run and and get the nation's attention and have a chance to play in the Rose Bowl for the first time ever? Like that's that's a win to me. In theory, the idea of a
0: nine and three team making the playoff. I'm okay with, but like in my head, that nine and three team is playing hard all year. And they play a tough schedule. And like they're sprinkling in tight, tough losses to good team along the way. I still catch myself on, oh yeah, we were one and three, and then we figured it out. There was no penalty. So,
2: so should, should USC just stop playing football after week four? Is it should just be like, well, throw in the freshman. Your season is over for all intents and purposes. Like, well, that's what they did. They were like, they got to the young quarterback and then they won the Rose Bowl. It's
0: not give up your season, but it's like win the Rose Bowl is probably the perfect award, but it might not be win the
2: national title. The, the Rose Bowl now is making the, the new playoff. Like that's. Win the Holiday Bowl. It's win the Holiday Bowl. Win Win the the Foster Farms Bowl. Congratulations. There's a big gap between, hey, congrats. You won the Rose Bowl and, hey, you won the Foster Farms Bowl or you won the Beefo Brady Bowl. Those are two different things. I guess
0: I'm okay with it. (laughs) I can remember definitely not. I can very distinctly remember thinking this of, like, as I evolved, because I was not a 12-team playoff person all the, the whole time. I was an absolute four-team person. I always said I'd rather a good team be left out than a bad team be let in. And I have absolutely evolved to the 12-team playoff, and I've evolved to nine and three. But this is one of those, like, my, my mom is old, and so she has people who are like, if there's like a celebrity or somebody who annoyed her in like 1959, she still hates that celebrity. Right, and it's like, mom, like it's like it's the world has changed. They're completely different. Why are you still mad at them, right? And like that's kind of how I'm with USC. It's like in theory, I'm good with nine and three. I'm a thousand percent in on the twelve team playoff, but I just don't want 2016 USC to win the national title. That will always be that way for me. (laughs) I just want to make sure that we don't go into a time machine, apply the twelve team playoff backward, and give that USC team a chance because they they did exactly what they should do. Congratulations on your awesome. 9-0 9-0 and finish to the season and your Rose Bowl championship. But I just don't – I didn't right then want to have a national title discussion about that, but I, but I guess I'm okay with it now. And it's like I guess I'm also okay with it because Jimmy Butler. Because I love <laughs> – who doesn't love Jimmy Butler? We exactly. love Jimmy Butler. And it's like, oh, does the NBA regular season mean nothing? Why does the Heat even get to be in the playoff? And it's like, I don't know, but I want Jimmy Butler in my life. My daughter and I, and I know you're an NBA guy. My daughter and I have entertained an all-dog NBA team. Like that's <laughs> make like a starting lineup. And obviously, Jimmy Butler is the captain of that team and the leader of that team. I thought Devin Booker, the way he played this this year in the playoffs, like kind of carrying Durant, I was like, give me D-Book every day of the week on my all-dog team. And we like no Celtics. And we were going through that, and it's like So would I want to deny myself Jimmy Butler because it's like, oh, the Heat were practically a 500 team in the regular season. I guess I also maybe shouldn't want to deny myself Sam Darnold, who wasn't even playing, barely playing. He was playing a little bit, wasn't starting when they started one and two, did his best in his first start and then went nuts. I guess I should be open to it. But it's maybe my one remnant of my old playoff thinking, Shahan, that I still I want. More opportunity. I want more good playoff games, but I still want to punish some teams in the right situation for <laughs> screwing up in the regular season, but selectively. And a one and three start is like maybe this. Maybe my selectivity is like that's what it is. I'm I'm okay with anybody making the playoff as long as you don't start. As long as you're not one and three in September.
2: See, I I think it's worse to lose. In November to lose your conference games that matter that, you know, where where you have a chance to win a championship. Like it is worse to me to get boat raced by Purdue than it is to be like, well, we we picked the wrong quarterback to start the year. And then we kind of figured things out because we were a young team. Like, actually, I think a great example of this is the first college football playoff champion lost to a terrible Virginia Tech team. And then some young guys figured it out. And I think that's great. I think you should be allowed to figure things out. Now, again, if you, if you start one and five, like you probably shouldn't make the playoff at seven and five and you probably won't, you probably won't rank as one of the top 12 teams in the country. But you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's just like, for example, I think it is a legitimate punishment for the Miami Heat that they had to be the eight seed and they had to play Giannis in the first round. And then they had to play the Knicks who, suck but that's another thing and then have to play this uh the you know the Celtics in round three and then they're gonna have to play Denver in the NBA finals like that is that is hard as hell that is so hard I don't care if you're the one seed that's a lot I don't care if you're the best team in the league and so I think it's gonna be like that right you have to play an extra game if you're not one of the four conference champions that's that's in this first group that's a lot just in itself. Uh, for example, I think that USC even would have not been one of the home teams. They'd have to go on the road to play the eight seed in this potential scenario. Like It's a lot. I, I think that this is real consequence to not being one of these top end teams all season long. But I don't think that means that you shouldn't get to play. I mean, I I want to see if Sam Darnold at the college level, I already know at the NFL level, has a dog in him. You know, I want to see it. And if he puts on a great performance and they manage to pull some crazy upsets, that's awesome. But but I want to hear more. Uh, I was literally trying to think of a celebrity from 1959, and I the only one I could think of is Elvis, and that feels very basic. Does your mom have beef with like Bob Cousy? Like like what is uh who is it? Who is it exactly that to, that you're going after? I, I was gonna say. I mean. I can't throw that out there. And then everyone's like, well, who
0: is the celebrity that Doug's mom hates? I can't live my life without knowing this. So it might it have been a little later on. It might not have been like early 60s that she began to hate this person. But I will say she still hates this person. And it's Jane Fonda. She hates Jane Fonda. <laughs>
2: She saw the photo of her in Vietnam and was like, never again. Like, it's over between us. You want to go see that uh,
0: book club movie that all the, all the, the ladies are ladies like, in Italy together? And it's like, is Jane Fonda in it? Then no! It's like, traitor! Oh, it's, it's been a long time, you know? So that's where I am with Sam Darnold. There may be a point where I come around, but... Grudge holding in my family is a long tradition.
2: Well, so I, I've we'll had to watch him play in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I, I people know, you know, I covered Matt Roy. You know, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, Sam Darnold ruined his career in a lot of ways, too. So maybe I'll have beef with him, oh, too. Yeah.
0: All right. So the Rose Bowl teams from 2016, they were my number five grouping. Here's my number six grouping. And it Pack Pac-12 superstars. And I am lumping together 2015 Stanford with Christian McCaffrey, And 2019 Oregon with Justin Herbert. And what might that have looked like in the playoff? We have this idea like, oh, playoff era. Guess what the Pac-12 can't do? Can't compete. Why? Because they don't make good players. Stupid Pac-12. And it's like, did you see Christian McCaffrey's season in 2015? He gave like 900 yards a game. And they were right there. And what would that have looked like? 2016, no, 2015, Stanford finishes six in the final playoff rankings. 2019, Oregon finishes, I believe, also six. And it's this we've had a conversation about this before. It's like 2019, Oregon, they lose their opener to Auburn. And if they hadn't lost that game, then they lose a game they never should have lost to Arizona State. But then which one really tripped them up? It's their own fault. But also, they're still awesome. Justin Herbert is still the man. And you think about what Christian McCaffrey and Justin Herbert then went on to do in the NFL. We could have seen that in the playoff. And instead, they felt like – I mean, it's Christian McCaffrey finished second the Heisman. It's not like he didn't get credit. But he still felt – didn't they feel like regional heroes that they never quite got out to the world? And if in a 12-team playoff, they had been able to play two or three playoff games – against the best teams in the country, I I just think we would have, A, perceived the Pac-12 differently, and B, gotten a nice window. We might be talking about, hey, remember that playoff game when Christian McCaffrey had 390 yards from scrimmage? Remember that playoff game when Justin Herbert threw for 400 yards and five touchdowns? Like, that might have happened in a 12-team universe, Shahan, and I think that changes a little bit of at least the perception
2: for the Pac-12 and maybe part of their reality. No, I I think that's absolutely true. Uh, You know, one team that did make the playoff that I think it still would have potentially helped is 2016 Washington. 2016 Washington would have had a chance to play Michigan in the first round. And if they win that game, I don't You know, because people talked about them like they just got beat and wiped off the planet by a really, 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 really good Alabama team. And maybe if they can if they could have won some games. I think that even could have potentially helped them in terms of perception and helped them in terms of recruiting and, and put Washington a little bit more on the national stage than them kind of just being sacrificed in some ways. And so, no, I think you're right. One of my great frustrations right now in college football is, and I, I know why it's the case. I know why it's the case. But like, there is such an East Coast and, and Central Time bias in college football right now. And it's because the vast majority of teams that we pay attention to are, of course, in those two time zones. But like and and the Pac-12 is also kind of done this to itself with the Pac-12 network and being very difficult to watch. But yeah, like we talked about Christian McCaffrey, like you said, like sort of this like nice thing that's happening and not, oh, this is just like maybe the best player in the entire country. Also, maybe this is one of the best players we've seen in many years. And it's crazy you know it doesn't make sense to me um you know and and obviously like you said McCaffrey and Justin Herbert now they're in the NFL now they're stars and people realize that they're awesome but they were awesome that whole time and so yeah I I do think that that does help the one thing that I'll say that I think probably doesn't help the Pac-12 is that they still I don't think have a team that would have gone on a deep run probably uh during this period outside of 2014 Oregon that's really i think the thing that they need more than anything is that team to go on a run maybe you know who knows maybe maybe that uh, 2016 usc team could have been it but i don't know it's it's definitely they they definitely i think have cost themselves viewership by not having some some players and some key guys in these marquee games and by the way another part of this too is that just because of the way the world works and college football works a lot of those guys who maybe were in these marquee games weren't playing in the Rose Bowl. They were sitting out, and, and I think that hurts them as well.
0: The idea that we think the Pac-12 has not competed in the playoff era, and we just had a conversation about the Darnold Trojans, the Herbert Ducks, and the McCaffrey Cardinal. And what would that have looked like on a national stage when in a game or two? It changes perception. Okay. I have as my number seven ranking, it's another grouping, and it is my Big 12 Redux. So this is like we had them at number one in 2014, and I have them at number seven in 2021. And it's the Oklahoma State-Baylor Big 12 title game. That's a great game. It's a nail-biter. They're both good enough, and the result is neither of them make it and whatever. And instead, (laughs) in a 12-team playoff world, they both make it, and then what? What do you could bail? What would Baylor and Oklahoma State that year done in a
2: twelve team playoff world? Well, <laughs> I, I'm looking at the bracket that would have been right now for 2021. Baylor would have run into Georgia in their first game. Look out! Look out, dogs! Look out, Kirby! Here comes so, you know, Baylor! Right? Frankly, frankly, that probably wouldn't have been the most fun, and actually, Oklahoma State would have gotten <laughs> Alabama in the second round okay i rescind i rescind (laughs) this group this is this is a bad bracket for them for sure (laughs) but at the same time i I think that actually you know if we're going to talk about big 12 teams uh, who haven't who had an opportunity to do something cincinnati would have gotten a rematch with notre dame in the college football playoff and then they would have gotten uh michigan potentially in the second round although michigan would have played ohio state that would be very weird Look at you. Look at you
0: seizing Cincinnati as a big 12, a big 12, team, 12 team. This is this is like the Big 10 network putting on <laughs> Adama Sioux highlights from Nebraska <laughs> and being like a real oh, thing the that the Big happens. Ten, a Big real- 10 hero Tommy <laughs> Frazier. and it's like dude that's
2: not how it works. You don't get the backward Cincinnati for the Big 12 Jahan, sorry disagree so you would have had uh you know Cincinnati have a chance to go up against either Ohio State or Michigan you know Baylor would have had a chance to go up against Georgia Oklahoma State you know and and the big thing too though right is like I think it's still even though I don't think these games would have been very good at all for these teams I think it still changes perception in a big way when you're a conference that puts multiple teams into the field which 2021 Baylor and Oklahoma State would have been absolute locks to make a 12-team field and you know when we talk about Uh, conferences that are putting multiple teams in you know like we talked about 2016 the 2016 Pac-12 would have put multiple in with USC and Washington both making the field potentially and actually actually I think the way that things kind of worked out too they might have had three with Colorado uh, with Mike McIntyre back in 2016 also making it but you know the Big 12 would have multiple multiple years of putting in two or three teams And that's pretty significant, I think. You know, 2014, they also would have had Kansas State in the field. So I I think that that's probably the piece. I I don't think that either of these teams would have been able to go on much of a run. Uh, And, you know, uh, as somebody who was in attendance at the, you know, post-2019 Baylor-Georgia game, wasn't the most fun for Baylor. Uh, So, you know, probably wouldn't have gone well. And Georgia still might have won the title. But I do think you know, just making the field and having Oklahoma State be a team that's in the field and Baylor be a team that's in the top four, I think it would have been pretty significant.
0: All right. So that was my number seven grouping. Number eight, I had 2017 and 2018 Ohio State. So we'll finish out the list next after this. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Right, my number nine is a team by itself, and I didn't go very far in the way back machine, but it is Tennessee last year. And it is Tennessee that, even in a world where Hendon Hooker gets hurt, they played so well. You know, they beat Clemson in that bold game, and, and Joe Milton came in and did his thing, and that receiver group is so, so good. And to have a huge win like they do at home against Alabama, but then to double down on that, then to make the playoff, it's like, great, congratulations on the Alabama win. Now go win at Georgia. It's like, well, again, it's just like, it feels impossible. The Tennessee, to make the playoff, Tennessee had to do both of those. And then had they beaten Georgia, they would have had to go beat somebody in the SEC title game again. Would have been LSU, right? So it's like, it can feel impossible For a team like that in the SEC, and for all the credit that Tennessee got last year, it felt like they deserved more. So that bowl win was great, and it did propel them into this year. And We've talked about Nico and all the recruiting that they've piled on top of that great year. But I just feel like that's that's who the 12-team playoff is going to really reward Shahan. And you're going to say – Tennessee, it's like not, it's not a, a door prize. It's not a participation trophy for like, oh, you had a great year, but no playoff for you. It's like, come on in the playoff, maybe win a game or two and really show people what you're about. And I think Tennessee exemplifies that as well as anybody in the last couple of years.
2: No, I mean, they are definitely a team that with really any other schedule on the board probably makes the playoff. right? I mean, the fact that you have to play both Alabama and Georgia is just insanity. Right. Like, it's just crazy. And so I do think that that's a big part of things. Um, the, the fact that they're in a division with Georgia is just the worst, obviously. And so I think that that does transform things quite a bit. One thing that I'd be curious about is in a world where it is an expanded playoff. You know, Alabama finished number seven in the rankings and Tennessee number eight feel like there would have been a conversation to maybe, you know, in the room, maybe flip that because you also would have avoided the Tennessee Georgia matchup rematching in that second round. But, you know, I, I think that it would have been really big for them. And, you know, Tennessee is a program that has not been on this national stage in a very long time and for them to have that opportunity. And and they had a little bit of it, like you said, with the Orange Bowl. I think that it actually worked out okay for them, all things considered, especially since Hendon Hooker got hurt. And I don't think they would have probably been as competitive without him in the playoff. But I do think that, that ultimately it, it just would have been really nice to see them actually rewarded with a chance at the national championship. So then my number 10 spot
0: I reserved for the type of program that just – making the playoff would be the greatest thing that ever happened in the history of the program. They would hang the biggest banner. They would have the biggest parade. They might go out and get their doors blown off in the first round game, but it wouldn't matter because they would have made the playoff. So to represent that with the final spot on the list, and it's a little goofy because I think they kind of backed into it in a way and the circumstances helped them. But the bottom line is they finished eleven. In the final playoff rankings, and it's 2020 Indiana that beat <laughs> Penn State, that beat Michigan, that beat Wisconsin, that beat Michigan State, that only lost to Ohio State by seven. And then they had that goofy thing where the Big Ten said if you're in this COVID year, if you're going to play in the Big Ten title game, you have to play a minimum number of regular season games and Ohio state, Michigan gets canceled and Ohio state doesn't meet the threshold. And it's like, Indiana's going to go to the big 10 title game. Then the big 10 was like, no, you're not. We'll change the rule. Ohio state gets to go. Ohio state goes. And I think it was the right thing. Ohio state goes, yeah, yeah. wins, that, that, that goes crazy. to the playoffs. But like, so all that stuff for as great as that season was for Indiana, what would it mean? They'd have a playoff parade. They Like, it just would be different, I think, Shahan. I think there are other teams that you can point to here. A lot of them would be the group of five teams, that conference champ that's going to get in, right? Coastal Carolina was the 12, number 12, this in 2020, right? They would have gotten in, right?
2: Yeah, And, and let me actually just go through. I mean, 2020 was the COVID year. It was weird. Like, we have to throw that all in there. But here's what we would have been looking at, right? Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma with the top four. Fine, whatever. Notre Dame at five. Texas A&M, I think a huge loser for not being able to make the playoff at number six. Florida, like we talked about before. Cincinnati would have made it two years in a row, which would have been incredible for them. Georgia, sure, whatever. Iowa State at 10. That's another huge, huge one. We're talking about this program completely differently. If it's a team that makes the playoff and they would have gotten Florida in the first round. And if they had been able to give them some trouble, oh, are we talking about Iowa State in a different kind of way? Are we talking about Matt Campbell in a different kind of way? 11 Indiana, 12 Coastal Carolina. This would have been kind of a funny one because uh, the Sun Belt and AAC champion would have gotten in over the Pac-12 champion, which would have been number 25 USC, who would have been left out. But how many programs on this uh, at-large list it would have been the greatest thing that they would have never stopped talking about. They would have statues about these teams, you know, like it, it, that's what kind of thing it can be. And certainly in a normal non COVID year, when the big 10 plays normal football games and the Pac-12 plays normal football games, it's probably not going to be like all of these teams in one year ever again. But I think all of these teams are teams that could make a playoff in an odd year, right? Like in sometime in the next decade, Indiana, it's going to be a little tough, Iowa State you know if they had an up year where they were the third best team in the Big 12 and finished 11th I think that's possible I absolutely think that's possible and you know Cincinnati of course going to be a Big 12 team similar sort of thing Texas AM, they had these years where they were really really good obviously not on the level of the, of the Alabamas and Georgias but they could be third and have a chance so no I think you're absolutely right Indiana's a great emblem of that and you know look we can we can delve into the context of how and why that happened but it happened and even getting to make it in that kind of a weird year would have been something that would have excited indiana indiana fans for a long time so that's my list that's 17 teams
0: in those 10 spots that i think you know college football for the program for the coaches for the conferences would have changed if the structure was different if it was a 12-team playoff world you mentioned texas a&m in 2020 they're they're fifth in the final ranking they're they're the whole time they're saying Ohio State's not playing enough games. The Big Ten's not playing enough games. We should be in. We should be in. Their only losses to Alabama. I didn't put them on the list, but how much do you think Jimbo Fisher's world would be different if he had a playoff appearance? Because it's still a good year, but the only difference is they finish five. That gets you in instead of not getting you in. Does he build more capital with now sort of angry Texas A&M fans if there's a playoff banner
2: hanging? Sure. And I think the other part that you have to mention about it is, you know, they would have won their first round game against Indiana, most likely. They would have had a matchup against Ohio State. And I don't think they would have had to win that game necessarily to, to earn credibility. I think just being really competitive and having a chance at the end would have been enough. And, and yeah, I think that changes things. You know, instead they played a depleted North Carolina team that kind of lost all their good players before the bowl game. Right. And so it's just, I think that it's not just making the game and making the field that would be huge although it would be huge but it's also the opportunity to showcase against legitimately good teams and contextualize yourself in the rest of college football we don't we get so obsessed with the idea of contextualizing yourself versus just georgia guess what everybody's gonna lose that comparison we don't have to do that we can just say are we in the same class as, you know, not Indiana necessarily, but, you know, as a Florida? Are we in the same class as a Notre Dame? Are we in the same class as an Oklahoma? These are questions that you'll be able to answer a little bit better in the playoffs. So I would have 2020 Texas A&M on the list. Uh, I, I had 2020 Coastal Carolina under consideration to similar sort of deal. Obviously, they would have made the field as the 12 seed uh, with the way that things work out. And, and they're going to have an interesting time, you know, in the 12 team world, I think. Although Jamie Chadwell's gone, that kind of sucks. But what, you know, what you going to do? I also had 2021 Pittsburgh on the list. Obviously, um they played in the Orange Bowl, but it was without Kenny Pickett and without Jordan Addison. Both of those guys are probably back and playing if if this is the college football playoff. That, that's significant. 2017 UCF was on my list, although I think that maybe they've enjoyed not actually having to go and play those teams. Maybe it's actually better for them in some ways uh, that they've been able to kind of just talk the talk instead. And one team that I'm really intrigued by, that's kind of, I guess, uh, in the line of the whatever, 2016 USC team is 2020 Oklahoma. So 2020 Oklahoma, they lost two of their first three games by a combined 10 points against Kansas State and Iowa State. Reel off all the rest of them are playing really, really well by the time they're getting to the the postseason. They destroy Florida. It was kind of a depleted Florida team, but they obliterate, like destroyed them. And it kind of had people thinking that 2021 could be the year that they take the step. I would have been really curious to see because, like, Spencer Rattler, by the end of his time there, was kind of a mess. He was playing really well by the end of that year. He, He had a really good end to that season if he had a chance. You know, so maybe then you're having a conversation about Spencer Rattler being in a better place, being in a healthier place, being a more accomplished quarterback, too. So not only does this, I think, change Oklahoma's chance to maybe compete in the playoff. But maybe we're talking about uh, Spencer Rattler having his career go a little bit different as well. We talked about
0: quarterback development plans on the, the first pod of this week, and that's Spencer Rattler plan. So the USC example of they lose a, they lose three of their first four, then they switch quarterbacks. Oklahoma, that you're talking about, loses two of its first three, not because they switch quarterbacks, but because Spencer Rattler's figuring it out. Right? He's a young dude. He's finding his way. And then he finds it, but you're already out of the playoff race because right. you started one and two. And so that idea—that's another thing that I think can add to development paths for teams. Of okay, you lose early, but you're not done. CJ Stroud loses his second career start against Oregon, and then when Ohio State loses to Michigan in 2021, they're done. Well, in the 12-team playoff world, okay, CJ Stroud figured it out. You lose your rivalry game, but you're still in. Like I do, it's more forgiving, and I do think that can really rear its head with either quarterback decisions or quarterback development. So you figure it out in September, and by October and November, you're ready to roll. I do think that pit example, I actually think it was the Peach Bowl that they, they played in I that year against right. Michigan State. Right. At, like that game, Michigan State in, in that 2021 season could be a team as well, because that's like a huge season for sure. Mel Tucker in year two. They're a New Year's six team. By the time you get to that game, though, all the good players have opted out. So it's like Kenny Pickett drives this pit season. He's not playing. Kenneth Walker is Kenneth Walker III drives that Michigan State season. He's not playing. So there's two like shells of these programs playing a New Year's Six Bowl, but like nobody cares. But if that's a playoff game, who knows what Pitt or Michigan State might do to teams in that situation, right? And so that's that's what you're going to open up as well. So I think people have a vibe for this, but I think the reason we want to do this, and again, we might do it again and go back even a little bit further into the history of the BCS era or even before that, it's that it's not that the teams change. It's that the structure changes and that changes the fortunes of some teams. And we're just going to give more folks more opportunities. Now, it's going to be more opportunities to lose, to prove you're not as good as people think. But if you take advantage of it, you have an opportunity to elevate yourself, elevate your program, elevate your conference, because I think we just showed Big 12, Pac-12, Dan Mullen, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, like all these different people and groups that I think maybe we'd think of differently if they had just been given a chance when they were already really good, but only four teams get in. And I think we agree, right? Good for the sport that we're getting to this next season.
2: Absolutely. And I would like to, to close this by stating for the record that I was absolutely right about my Kenneth Walker Heisman case. Uh, as soon as he left, Michigan State stopped being good at football anymore. And now he's a thousand yard NFL running back. So I would just like the record to show that I'm on the right side of history. Can we note that? Can we note that? for the? <laughs> yep,
0: We've noted it for the record. Thank you. So Thank you. <laughs> we, maybe we should make that a segment. And we'll be back after this to note things for the record with Shahan Jeharaja. Like
2: that could be a little thing. People love, you know, when everybody loves true crime right now, and it's it's because of the the people doing transcription. They love it. They love records, you know. Uh, you know, yeah, maybe there's all the crimes and stuff, but like people love the record. That's that's what I've come to understand.
0: And also, you love credit, so that would we would hit. <laughs> Both of those at the same <laughs> two time. Two for two, to be fair, wow. I also love credit. Coincidentally, maybe it's what <laughs> brought us together. So and uh, but the bad thing about the transcription is it also notes for the record when you are drastically, drastically wrong. So we got to be careful here. But when you do it only backwards, I I would like to note for the record the thing I was right about two years ago. I would not like to note any predictions, but I would like to note the thing I said two years ago.
2: So we'll strike Iowa State from the record and we'll put uh, Kenneth Walker on the record. Perfect. You just said I was all
0: fired up because I was thinking to myself, <laughs> Iowa State, they would have been a playoff team in the 12-team playoff. They're going to be a real team in the 14 playoff. I'm still mad at, the playoff. I'm so mad at them. It didn't work. <laughs> and it's like it, all that happened there is that their quarterback that year turned out to be one of the great success stories in the NFL, Brock Purdy, and their running back, Brees Hall, was like the key to the Jets' offense. And as soon as he got hurt last year, the Jets fell off a cliff. So it's like, oh, do they have two incredibly impactful NFL-level players at quarterback and running back? Yes, are they going to go seven and six with those guys in their last year?
2: Yes, yes, they are. So, and first round, no the doubt. Ed rusher Will McDonald too. By the way, and and the guy who you're gonna who you're gonna hear about a whole lot in the NFL too is Xavier Hutchinson. That's going to be somebody that you're like, oh, he he played for that team and they sucked. Why is that? I love Xavier Hutchinson. I was
0: also a big Charlie Collar draft guy for yeah, a while there. I was like, Charlie Kolar. So I, I think we are officially establishing a case for Matt Campbell underachieving based on his talent. <laughs> Look at all these great
2: Iowa State players. Look at all these resources wrong that, that Iowa State is giving him and he can't win anything. Joker. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I, I do have to mention as well, like if the Big 12, cause, cause, you know, until 2017, the Big 12 was round robin, no conference championship game. Iowa State finished first place in the Big 12 that year. So actually what screwed them out of the playoff was having to play a conference championship game against Oklahoma. Otherwise, they would have a Big 12 championship.
0: I don't know. I don't know, Matt. We got to get Matt on the show and have him defend this egregious performance. (laughs) Come on, Matt. What's wrong with you? Okay. That'll be, we're always looking for offseason content. What is wrong with Iowa State next week? with special guest Matt Campbell, defending the fact that he has the greatest winning percentage of any coach in Iowa State history. But shouldn't it be better? Okay, we appreciate you guys making the College Football Survivor Show part of your week. Make sure you're reading Shahan at CBSSports.com. For now, for Shahan J. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.